the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Revelation. One, two, and three. He said, "Let not your heart be troubled." You know, these things shouldn't trouble us. He said, "You believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you. But I go to prepare a place for you." That's where Jesus is right now. He's preparing our eternal home for us. He says, "I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, you might be also." That's our hope. When you hear a pastor say he'll be studying the book of Revelation or come to it in your own personal study, what feelings does it bring up? Excitement? Apprehension? Skepticism? It can elicit many different things. The mix of literal and symbolic language can be confusing and even scary. But in today's message, as Pastor Gary begins our study of this controversial book, he'll remind us of the great hope and blessing it offers for those who've placed their faith in Christ. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Revelation chapter 1, with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. Revelation chapter 1, let me read the first five verses, then we'll pray and we'll kind of lay a foundation here and and give an introduction to this book together. So chapter 1, verse 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ to all things that he saw. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it, for the time is near. Let's pause there and pray. Lord, thank you for this time together in your word, in your house. We pray that as we go through the book of Revelation, that you would open our, our ears, that we might hear, that you would open our eyes, that we might see, that you might open our hearts, that we might receive. And we thank you that you've given these things to us in advance, that we might be prepared, that we might have a glimpse, might have an understanding of things that are to come. And we thank you, Lord, for the joy and the hope of the church that you are coming again. So fill us, Lord, with great expectation and great joy as we read through this book. And we thank you that right here in the beginning of this first chapter, you tell us that blessed are those who read it and those who hear it. 
And so, Lord, we thank you for your blessing that is already a part of the study of this book together. We praise you and we thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Now, by way of introduction, one of the things that I want to try to do through the book of Revelation is to not make any assumptions about where any of you are in relation to the Lord. Some of you might be new in your faith. Others of you might be uh, more mature in your faith. And some of you may not claim to have a walk with Jesus at all, which is, which is fine. I, I'm, trying to, I'm going to try to do my best to go through this book keeping in mind that some of you are new Christians, some of you are older Christians, and some of you may not be Christians at all. And one of the things that we need to do before we start digging out verse by verse is, again, to lay the foundation. I'm reminded of Vince Lombardi, the great football coach, who every season when he would begin a season with his team, he would hold up a football and he would say, gentlemen, this is a football. And he just started with the basics. So we have to start with the basics. So we'll come back to Revelation, but I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Acts chapter 1. Back in your New Testaments, earlier on, Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 1. In Acts chapter 1, Luke writes this in verse 1. The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day in which he was taken up, after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive, after his suffering, by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Notice, even his own apostles were wondering about future events, and when will the kingdom of God really be manifest on earth? And, and Jesus says to them in verse 7, it is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now, when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men, these are angels, stood by them in white apparel, who also said, men of Galilee... Why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. So here, here's the foundation really for the book of Revelation. It's important for us to understand the purpose behind Revelation is to give us hope and this joyful expectation concerning the imminent return of Jesus Christ. But you have to first understand his ascension and that he has gone back into heaven before you can appreciate Revelation telling us events that are going to happen preceding and including his second coming. So what the book of Acts tells us, or for those of you who know the story, reminds us, is that Jesus was crucified. And after he was crucified, he, he was dead and buried, and three days later he rose from the dead. And then he appeared to, to people, and this is why Luke says here, with many infallible proofs, 
there in in verse 3. And he walked among people in his resurrected state for 40 days, is also what we read here in in chapter 1, verse 3 of Acts. And, and, And then the Bible says that he was taken up into heaven, that he was in Jerusalem and then on the Mount of Olives, Uh, was lifted up, and his apostles were standing there gazing up into heaven as Jesus was taken up into heaven, to, to the place from which he came. And his own apostles were standing there with wonder, and these two angels appear, and they basically comfort the guys and say, listen, he's going to come back again. He's going to come back in the same manner, same place from which he ascended, he shall return. And so when we are reading the book of Revelation, we are reading about events that have been given to us prophetically future events concerning what things will look like just prior to and including the return of Jesus Christ. And so in some ways, it's like Christians have been given a cheat sheet. You know, it's like, it's like if, if you had a major exam at college and, and, uh, and, and before you went into the classroom to take the exam, you're walking to class and on the sidewalk is a, a piece of paper with all the answers for the test you're about to take. And, and just with joy, you're like, I got all the answers and I, I know what the questions are going to be and I know what the answers are going to be. And in some ways, I feel a little giddy like that. Like the book of Revelation has been given to us where it's like God's cheat sheet about things that are to come that we can know in advance some of the answers. So Revelation shouldn't be approached with like this spooky kind of like, oh, wow. And there's heavy stuff in here. I mean, you know, there's, there's hail, there's fire, there's, there's locusts, there, there are demons, there's antichrist, there's all this kind of stuff. And your heart can get weighed down like, this is, this is heavy stuff. But look at it as God's given us some answers in advance about things that are to come. Why? So that we can be ready. So we can be ready. Now, nobody knows the time of the Lord's return. And anybody who says that they can date the time of the Lord's return is a false teacher, a false prophet. But we can and should know the seasons. We should know some of the predictors and indicators that are on the horizon even now. And over the course of our study through Revelation, I will try to integrate some headlines that aren't necessarily a fulfillment in Revelation, but have to do with things leading up to the second coming of Christ. Because listen to this, Jesus said in in Matthew chapter 16, uh, in verses 1, 2, and 3, it says, Then the Pharisees and Sadducees came, and testing him, asked that he would show them a sign from heaven. He answered and said to them, When it is evening, you say, it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and threatening. Hypocrites, you know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. And so even though we can never and should never put a date on when Jesus is going to come again, we should at least be acquainted with the signs of the times. There are some things happening in our world right now that are a harbinger, are predictors, are indicators of things related to the soon and coming return of our Lord. And so we need to be looking at events in our world. We need to be, you know, reading the news and we need to be wise about things and we need to see it through the lens of the imminent return of Christ and what God tells us in advance are some things related to his second coming. So in that sense, we we should be prepared for these things. And this is why Jesus said in John 14, Verses 1, 2, and 3, he said, Let not your heart be troubled. 
You know, these things shouldn't trouble us. He said, you believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you. But I go to prepare a place for you. So that's where Jesus is right now. He's preparing our eternal home for us. He says, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, you might be also. That's our hope. He is coming again. And so with great expectancy, we should read the book of Revelation. So let's go now back to the book of Revelation. And let me give you... I'm going to give you just uh, a lot of, again, this is, this is an intro uh, session tonight. This is a lot of information, but I got I to gotta lay the foundation before we even start looking verse by verse through all of this. So here's the basic background to the book of Revelation for, for those of you who like to take notes. Uh, it was written by the Apostle John, and he's identified by name there right in, in verse 1 that this was delivered to God's servant named there, John. And the year that he wrote this by inspiration of the Holy Spirit was around 95 AD. Now, that would make him about that old because it is believed that he was born uh, around, uh, you know, the same time that Christ was or just, uh, just slightly thereafter. So, so he is in his 90s by this time. He is the oldest and the last surviving of the original 12 apostles. And we find that he writes this letter from a little uh, island uh, in the Aegean Sea called Patmos. It is identified for us uh, in, in the story, and we actually find out from him why he is on the island of Patmos. I mean, it's a Greek island. I mean, if, you, if you're going to be banished to an island, you might as well be in the Greek islands. Praise God. Uh, but, but he's under... Um, duress here. These are not favorable circumstances. He's, he's not vacationing on Patmos. He's been banished there by Domitian, who was the Roman emperor from about 90 to 96 AD. And he ta- John tells us in his own words here in chapter 1, if you glance down to verse uh, 9, why he has been banished there. This is, a, this is a prison camp. This is a Roman colony that has been turned into a prison camp on, at Patmos, and they send prisoners there. And he tells us here in chapter 1, verse 9, he says, I, John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was on the island that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. So again, this is first century AD, and he's being persecuted along with thousands of other Christians. And, uh, and so because of, because of the word of God and his testimony, that is to say, he, he has not renounced his faith. He's a Christian. Domitian, the emperor, has been persecuting Christians along with Nero before him. And he banishes John to the island of Patmos for hard labor. And so here he is. You know, an older man when he, sh- he should be drawing Social Security and, and living in Florida. Uh, instead, he is on the island of Patmos hauling buckets of rocks. This is his life. But while there, the Lord's not done with him. You know, I, it's so amazing to me how God can use both those who are young and old. And he's not done with John. And he gives John this incredible revelation. And that's an important point to also point out. This is a revelation of Jesus Christ, not a revelation of John. It tells us right in chapter 1, verse 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ. 
The word revelation in the Greek is apokalypsis. Apokalypsis is where we get our English word apocalypse. And it just means an unveiling or a revealing. When you talk about the apocalypse, that's all it means. It's a fancy Greek word that, that just means there's an unveiling here. There's a revealing. There's a revelation. The unveiling here is not about John. He's just the instrument that God uses to give him vision and to help him to see the things that are to come. And he pens the stuff. The revelation is about Jesus Christ. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And what a revelation it is. Um, There's an amazing, majestic description of Jesus in chapter 1 that we won't get to tonight. But um, suffice it to say that even in the introductory chapter here, Jesus is revealed in a magnificent way. There are 32 titles for Jesus throughout the book of Revelation, 32 titles. Nine of them are in the first chapter. You'll be able to take a highlighter and you'll notice these with me, but just to read the list, these are different titles for Jesus just here in chapter 1. He's called the faithful witness in verse 5. He's called the firstborn from the dead in verse 5 because he, he was the one who rose again. Now, Jesus raised a few people from the dead during the course of his ministry, but they died again. You know, poor Lazarus. But Lazarus rose from the dead. He's like, hey, I rose from the dead. Everybody's like, yeah, Lazarus. Lazarus died again, all right? But Jesus was the first one who rose from the dead and never died again. And he's reminding us, hey, I'm the first. I'm not the last, because that's going to be our blessed hope as well. The firstborn from the dead. He's also the ruler over the kings of the earth. That's also verse 5. He is the Alpha and the Omega. Now, New Testament is written in Greek. Um, in In... Hebrew, it's Aleph and Tav. It's the first and the last letters of the alphabet. And so he's saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I'm the Aleph and Tav. I'm I'm also number five, the one who is, who was, who is to come. That's verse eight. He's known as the Almighty also in verse eight, El Shaddai in Hebrew. He is known as the Son of Man in verse 13. He's known as the first and the last in verse 17. And he is known as the living one in verse 18. So nine titles that he is given here in chapter 1 kind of just sets the stage for how amazing and majestic and awesome our Lord is. Uh, Nine out of the 32 titles. Now, there are different ways to interpret the book of Revelation. And this is also critical to us properly understanding this book. And I'm going to give you the three different uh, methods, not to confuse you, but just, you know, to, to inform us about how different people interpret the book of Revelation. And I'm going to tell you that the way that we're going to be interpreting this is number three, the, the literal futuristic way. But these three ways of interpretation are either allegorical, historical, or literal and by literal, we're also talking about it, it has, um, it's prophetic, it, it's futuristic. Um, but again, you know, good Christians will, will differ on how this book should be interpreted, in, in what way should it be interpreted. Um, again, I'm going to give you the definition of these so we can understand this going forward, but this is probably going to be a little bit more than you can jot down in, in the time that I'm going to read through it. But the allegorical method of interpretation is basically this. It's the idea that everything in the book of Revelation is about symbolism. It's just about, you know, things like good versus evil, paganism versus Christianity, 
and the ultimate triumph of Christ in our lives. The book is seen as a spiritual allegory for the comfort and encouragement of the church, denying prophecies of literal future events. Okay, so that's the allegorical interpretation. So there are some people who read this book and say, well, it's just a wonderful allegory. It's to comfort the church. It's to let us know about things that are crazy in the world. Uh, Jesus is coming again. And so let's just be comforted. But it is not, it is not read in terms of its prophetic content, its futuristic content. It's read as something that is pretty much symbolic. The, the, the second way that one can interpret the book of Revelation that I also uh, disagree with, but it's just another method, is the historical method. And there are actually two um, ways that you can historically interpret the book of Revelation. The first is the preterist view. The preterist view basically uh, sees it this way, that Revelation deals with church history that includes only the early church's struggle against imperial Rome in the first century, and that John used symbolic code to describe events of his day. So those who interpret Revelation with a preterist view basically will say this, you know, John was writing in the first century, and he was writing to Christians who were persecuted, and so he had to use code language so that uh, nobody outside of Christianity would know what he's talking about, but when he's talking about, you know, the Antichrist, he's really probably referring to Nero or, or Domitian or somebody in the Roman Empire, you know, and, and he's using these symbolic, vague terms, but it has to do with his own day. That's the preterist view. I, I don't agree with it, but that is just one way that people interpret it. But then there's this other historical angle to it, and it's what we'll just simply call the, the symbolic view. And, and that is a panoramic, a panoramic interpretation of the church's historical struggle against the world system from the first century through modern times. And it predicts the future of the church age, but not of end time events. In other words, people would say, well, it is a book that looks forward, but it looks forward to the time of the church age, which is everything after Jesus ascended into heaven. But it doesn't really predict future events. It just is historical in terms of the church age. So the way we're going to interpret this, again, you're, you're free to interpret it allegorically or, or historically. You're, you know, you're welcome to be wrong if you want to. But, uh, but, but we're going to, I say that in jest because there's a lot of great minds that are going to look at Revelation very differently. But we're going to be looking at it as a literal writing with futuristic or prophetic elements throughout it. In other words, the events beginning in chapter 4 Okay, in chapter 4, are futuristic, related to the time directly preceding and including Jesus' return. There is frequent symbolism all throughout the book. We recognize that, but events will be fulfilled in a literal way. So a lot of people you know, want to look at the book of Revelation and think, well, it's just all symbolic and, and it's just, you know, it, it, it has, you know, allegorical meaning. It, it should be seen as a literal book. It should be understood in terms of its, its literal meaning. It's just sometimes difficult to dig out what is the literal meaning, and I'll explain why in, in a little bit. If you look here at chapter 1, verse 19 with me, I'm just going to... We will come back and go verse by verse, but um, I don't know how much we'll do that tonight, but I do want to, again, just kind of lay out the foundation. If you look at chapter 1, verse 19... What we have given to us is an actual outline of the entire book of Revelation in verse 19 of chapter 1. 
Thanks for listening today to Cornerstone Connection. This book of Revelation that you've been studying with Pastor Gary is one that many have studied and analyzed, tried and tried again to pinpoint on a timeline. When will Jesus come? When will these and times events take place? Have they already begun? There are many questions we don't have the answers to, and we won't until they happen. But there are some truths that we can hold on to. These events will happen. Jesus is returning, and he will defeat Satan once and for all. And all those who have made Jesus Lord in their life will be with him for eternity. What a wonderful time that will be. So where does that leave us? It's important to know what's coming so that you can prepare now and trust Jesus for what we don't know. We must give our lives to the Lord, and we need to give others the opportunity to do the same. We're so glad you tuned in for today's study in Revelation. If you'd like to explore more teachings from God's Word that Pastor Gary has shared, visit cornerstoneconnection.cc. There you'll also learn more about the church behind this ministry, Cornerstone Chapel. Come visit us if you're in the area. All the information you need is at cornerstoneconnection.cc. Join us next time for more here on Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.